Salutations! Welcome back to It Takes a Tribe. We're your host, Andrea Martinez and Monica Levitan. Last episode, we spoke on the recent El Paso shooting, ICE raids, and current events that affect the Latino community. This episode, we're moving towards an oftentimes overlooked group, Asian Americans. As Asian Americans are not perceived as a force in politics, many often forget they are the fourth largest racial group in the United States. Asian Americans are a fast-growing population, so it's time to give them attention. For most Asian voters, pocketbook issues such as health care or American social skills. They will not have immediate entry into our elite cultural institutions or corporate networks, so they will often run motels, dry cleaners, convenience stores, and restaurants as a way to support themselves and their families. Roy and Yu also brought up another interesting fact. If the natural home of hardworking, taxpaying, family-forming Americans is the GOP, then Asians should be voting Republican. So why aren't they? During the 2018 midterm elections, Asian voter turnout increased sharply from 26.9% in 2014 to 40.2% in 2018. In fact, more naturalized Asian citizens voted during midterms than U.S.-born citizens. When it came to the House, 77% of Asian Americans voted Democratic, second to African Americans. If we travel back to 2016, 65% of Asians voted for Hillary Clinton, while 27% voted for Donald Trump. So what caused this spike in Asian American voter turnout? Why is it more naturalized voters voted during midterms than U.S.-born voters? Why did only 6% of Asian Americans vote in 2016, and how is that number going to increase in the following year? Yeah, like, was the result of the use of social media? Was it political reporting by news outlets around the country? Or was it the recent rise in public activism and or protests? My assumption is that Asian Americans were already consistent in voting for the Democratic Party, so they voted with their party. Along with Hillary on the ballot, more Asian American women registered to vote. The gender breakdown from the AALDEF survey, or the Asian American Legal Defense and Education Fund, for those of you who can't acronym, show that across party lines, Asian Americans who identified as female voted at higher rates than males, except for female Republicans. Meaning, females voted at a slightly higher rate than males in the 2016 election. Age is also another factor. At 89%, voters between 18 to 29 showed greater support than Clinton, while only 8% responded to Trump. 22% of naturalized Asian Americans of older generations voted for Trump and 77% voted for Hillary. 8% of the U.S.-born Asian Americans voted for Trump, while 88% voted for Hillary. Referring back to Roy and Yu, they argue Democrats are able to swing votes their way by focusing on discrimination issues focused on Asian Americans. A prime example being the Students for Fair Admissions versus Harvard case. The lawsuit, filed in November of 2014, focuses on discrimination in college admissions at Ivy League schools. The suit cited that Harvard is employing racially and ethnically discriminatory policies and procedures in administering the undergraduate admissions program. Candidates must acknowledge the ongoing lawsuit to show voters how they would approach the topic if they were elected president, as it's important for young Asian American voters who advocate a fair, holistic admissions process, even though Harvard claims they had one to begin with. If you're interested in learning more about this case, we'll provide some links in the description for you to check out.
And while you skim through those links, I'd like to take a moment to talk about our Asian American presidential candidates. As of this episode, our Asian candidates are Democrats Andrew Yang, Kamala Harris, and Tulsi Gabbard. Yang is an entrepreneur from New York who caught America's attention with the Freedom Dividend. The Freedom Dividend is a form of universal basic income that guarantees a given amount of money to every citizen within a given government without taking a test or work requirement. He wants to give all Americans over the age of 18 $1,000 a month or 12 grand. Could you imagine? Social security for all. That's a whole new forum. What would you do with $1,000 a month when you're 18? I don't know. I mean, depending on the person, you might make good decisions. Other people might just waste it all away. Way on things that they might not even care about a year later. Like, I imagine when you're 21, like, right, like, go all out. But, like, 18, yeah. I just, I don't know. But basically, his plan for immigration reform is an 18-year pathway to citizenship for undocumented immigrants to sign the DREAM Act into law, invest in new technology to secure the U.S. southern border, expand custom and border patrol, and reduce the line for asylum. For campaign and election reform, Yang wants to support a constitutional amendment that would overturn Citizens United versus the FEC decision, ban super PACs, making Election Day a national holiday, making Puerto Rico a state, lowering the voting age to 16, and reducing partisan gerrymandering. He's pro-choice on abortion and supports increasing government funding for LGBTQ programs and making community college free. God, I wish community college was free. Actually, I wish all college was free. But yeah. If you're a sports fan, you'll like this. Yang believes the NCAA should pay their athletes and help create a new type of college athlete also known as the performer athlete. They are entitled to market-based compensation that would not affect other student athletes, which to be honest is true. For instance, Forbes stated across three years prior to last season, Texas A&M averaged annual revenues of $148 million, the most of any program in the nation. So how do voters feel about Yang? In a recent survey conducted by Change Research, Yang was 8% below Joe Biden, Elizabeth Warren, and Bernie Sanders in a national poll. NBC writer Suji Nam reported a split in Asian American voters when it came to Yang. She cited an analysis of donor data by the AAPI data at the University of California, Riverside in April that found Yang only received $120,000 from Asian donors. I get it. You work hard, pay high taxes. I'd have my doubts too. So how is Yang going to change their mind? We're not really sure what his strategy is for the next debate, but so far, those who can believe he can make it, check out his campaign. We'll provide the link for you and you can check out his detailed Freedom Dividend plan and other issues that could influence your vote. Speaking of influence, let's talk about Kamala Harris. She's currently a U.S. federal senator for the state of California and was the state attorney general from 2011 to 2017. She was also San Francisco's district attorney from 2004 to 2011. She wants to give the middle class a tax cut, reduce cash bail, reduce racial disparity and maternal mortality, and provide Medicare for all. She believes any good fight is born out of optimism and demands justice when she sees wrong. She also called out Joe Biden on almost everything during the first Democratic debate. So how are Asian voters responding to her? Well, the answer is still being determined. Previous polls and interviews suggest that Indian Americans across the nation are still deciding if it chooses to ultimately support Harris and her campaign. An October 2018 UC Riverside poll found that over half of the Indian American respondents favored Harris. However, one in five respondents weren't previously aware of her Indian American background. I'm sure those of you listening may not have known of Harris's Indian background as well because she herself hasn't really been outspoken about that aspect of her ethnicity. 
According to the Washington Examiner, Harris has more frequently identified herself with her African-American heritage as a political tactic and downplayed her Indian heritage to pick up votes, something that she has received criticism for. For instance, Harris has actively engaged with black voters while campaigning, repeatedly referring to herself as a black woman, and bringing up her HBCU alumni status when speaking on education and racial discrimination. It's not unusual for Indian Americans to be undecided on who they wish to support, but a majority of voters in this demographic tend to lean Democratic. In fact, Iowa's Asian and Latino Coalition announced its endorsement for Harris' campaign in August, citing how she communicates in a strong message she sends out about the Democratic Party. They support her health care plan and believe it's one of her strongest points. The coalition chair, Prakash Kaparapu, told NBC, all our members think she can win and compete on the debate stage against President Donald Trump. She definitely has a strong background in law and knows a lot about what to change in order to bring equality. Another interesting factor to consider is that many religious and older generation Indian Americans are more inclined to support Hawaii Congresswoman Tulsi Gabbard, a practicing Hindu and Samoan American. Gabbard is more well known in the Indian American community than Harris, actively reaching out to the community, sitting on the House India Caucus, and she has also been a vocal supporter of stronger India-US relations. Before becoming a congresswoman, Gabbard served as a representative for Hawaii from 2002-2004, a Senate legislative aide from 2007-2009, and was a member of the Honolulu City Council from 2011-2012. She supports DACA, the Keep Family Together Act, a campaign finance reform, is pro-choice, wants to eliminate tuition and fees at four-year public institution to reduce mass incarceration, and wants to decriminalize marijuana at a federal level. M.R. Ringaswamy, founder of Indaspora, a nonprofit that works to increase Indian American civic participation, told Politico he believes the more conservative of the Democratic-leaning Indian American voters will most likely side with Tulsi, and the more liberal, secular kind of crowd will go with Kamala. The next Democratic debate will be co-hosted by the New York Times and CNN and is scheduled for October 15th, with a possibility of a second debate the following night depending on how many candidates meet the qualifying requirements, which are having a 130,000 unique donors and register at least 2% support in four qualifying polls. Each of the 10 candidates from the September debate, which includes Yang and Harris, plus businessman Tom Steyer, already qualify for the debate. Other candidates have until October 1st to meet the criteria. Gabbard is very close to making the cut. She just needs two more qualifying polls. So for my young Asian American voters, regardless of how you understand politics, make sure to stay informed and know what's happening as for the first time in American history, we have three Asian Americans running for president. It's important they hear your voice and understand what issues are important to you. So whether you relate to Andrew Yang, Kamala Harris, Tulsi Gabbard, or any other candidates running for president, it's imperative that you get out and vote. Why? Because your vote does matter. This has been It Takes a Tribe. Please follow or subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts and give us a rating and tell us how we're doing. Until next time, I'm Monica Levitan. And I'm Andrea Martinez. Remember to treat others the way you want to be treated.